0: Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Glad that you can spend this time together. Guy Talk is going to be happening in this hour. I'm looking forward to that. Dr. Peter Kapsner will be joining us. Brad Johnson, George Fraser. Mark Sinius will not be with us today. Uh, as you remember, last week he was on the show and he bought a new truck and he's got a new truck uh, Truck club meeting. They're getting together for some chamomile tea. So we're going to have him uh, hopefully next week. So let us know what your questions are. We're going to tackle a bunch of issues today, but we're always open to taking your questions, your issues, uh, things that are bugging you, things you want us to discuss. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Looking forward to this hour. And of course, in the second hour, we've got the uh, beautiful and amazing Queens of the Round Table. So lots of talk today. Let's take 60 seconds and get started.
1: It's pretty easy to waste time on electronic devices. But there's also an easy way to grow in your faith through your connected phone or tablet. When you download the free Faith Radio app, you can listen to the live audio stream, read the latest articles, listen to past programs, and keep up with the latest events and giveaways. Search for Faith Radio in iTunes or Google Play and enjoy Faith Radio today on any connected device. There are plenty of uncertainties in life, but God's Word is filled with promises that will never change, never be taken from you. In his book, Unshakable Hope, Building Our Lives on the Promises of God, Max Lucado shares 12 key spiritual promises so you can build an unshakable life of hope, no matter what your circumstances. We are giving away five copies this week. Enter to win one at MyFaithRadio.com.
0: I'm glad to have uh, the roundtable of men here. We're going to discuss Sky Talk, so whatever it is you'd like us to tackle, let us know. We've got uh, Dr. Peter in with us, as well as Brad Johnson from the University of Northwestern, and George Fraser, the co-host of Real Recovery. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Bill. Nice to have you all here. (laughs) Good to be here, Bill. (laughs) Yeah, right. Good to see you,
2: Peter. You're looking
3: great. (laughs) Oh, as always, George. Same to you. Thank
0: you. Yeah. Peter, I got a question for you. Do you know the stress point on a potato chip where it breaks off and stays in the dip? <laughs> Do you know exactly where that point is?
3: You know, I've had enough practice at that. You'd think that I would have evaluated that at this point, mm-hmm. but um, but but mostly I go with the whole chip approach. So I kind of crunch the entire thing in my cheek. So I haven't done like bite it in half deal. It seems to take too much time. <laughs> these are uh, these are these are tough questions that it's men a have good to answer. Tackle. It is a yeah, good answer. answer. It, was good. it is
0: not get, easy. A, no, I know. All right, let's. Uh, Get with question number one out here. I've got organized. Um, when asking for advice, is it more effective to ask for advice or feedback? What do you think? You go to somebody and advice. you say advice. And why is that, George? Well, uh, I had
2: a boss one time, and every time I do a presentation, he'd change it and do this. So I asked one of our my coworkers what the deal was. He goes, "Ask Tom for your help." Uh-huh. Is help on something and I started doing that and I realized when somebody asks me for help it's very honoring advice and a uh, feedback has kind of got a negative thing to it I mean for me the the feedback the bad feedback is way too bad and the good feedback is never as good as it should be right so <laughs> that, agree I guess that's where I'd go on this couldn't agree more
0: so it's important but uh, it, so you're better off to ask for advice I think so yeah
4: Brad well uh I tend to ask for feedback because um, I'm not really listening when, they, when they're when they talking to me. <laughs> I like that. So then I just kind of <laughs> ignore it. But, you know, I think for me the, the advice word is a little bit loaded because one of the things we have here at the college is advising day. And because of my uh, lack of stature, you know, because of my education, I don't get to advise students uh, for those advising days. So... I think it's ironic that I have students coming to me that, that ask for my advice. And I said, I'm not allowed to advise you because so, mm, okay. you know, I'm, I'm not an advisor. Ah. I'm just a adjunct faculty member. I'm not an advisor. So, gotcha. so, um, so it's, it's, it, you know, it's kind of a joke that I always try to do and they go, Oh, you can advise me. I think that's good. Okay. <laughs> and Peter, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess my my gut reaction is that I uh, am more open to uh, hearing advice than I am feedback, because if I don't agree with the advice, you can just sort of blow it off and move on. But if the feedback, I don't agree with it and it's negative, it's somehow harder to blow off. It kind of sticks with you, even if you don't agree with it in a weird sort of way. So I think advice feels safer to me. Uh, Take it or leave it. Feedback kind of hangs with you one way or the other. I like that.
0: I think that's true. Yeah, too. I think that's true. So when somebody comes to you, is it wise to say, would you like some advice or some feedback? Are those two oh distinctive gosh. things?
3: Yeah, you know, I'll just say for me, Bill, I have giving other people feedback because it's coming through my lens and it sets me up as an authority for what is good and not good in a situation. And and it doesn't mean you shouldn't. But I would hope that with any kind of feedback, it's tinged with the humility of this is my perspective. I'm not appealing to the kingdom of heaven somehow you know, as being the arbiter of right and wrong with it. So I think feedback actually is much more helpful. But if it's given with a bit of humility associated with it, as opposed to I'm the expert, here's how you should proceed with your life.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like. All right, uh, gentlemen, can you be honest with yourself with what you're lazy about? Mm. Work. (laughs) (laughs) So yes. George George P. Fraser, work. So your answer is yes. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, I
2: was just thinking out loud there. Yeah. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, You're yeah. using your, your outside voice there, that weren't was you? you? yeah. Yeah, okay. Because, uh. hey, we're all lazy about something. And can you be honest about what you're lazy about? I think that applies to, you know, everybody.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I may mean, be curious to hear from you other guys, too. I don't feel like I'm quite as defensive about my laziness as I was <laughs> in my 20s somehow. So <laughs> I, I, I've sort of become comfortable with it. Uh-huh
4: well that's the advantage of being older i think yeah. you, you get you get to a certain age right and and correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like at some point you cross over into that place where you kind of what people say and you know it's not that big a deal to you when you're young it's really you, you take it and you and you you know it feels hurtful or feels good or whatever uh, whether it's positive or negative feedback, but I think when you're when you're older, it, you know you, you kind of have a sense of who you are, and so I don't think it bothers you quite as
0: much. Just my opinion. Well, Let me ask you this: Do you feel that that laziness is a component when it comes to evangelism? Mm. Like, you know, what I got a neighbor I like. To, I should go talk to him. You know, he's out cutting his lawn right now. I don't know if I want to. Is that mm. something spiritual? Is that something? lazy? Is that something, a voice in your head that says, eh, not today, maybe tomorrow? Well, Mm. yeah, I guess for me, I've
2: always had a problem uh, with evangelism just as like a selling job for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of it is to do that more with actions. So for me to go you know, kind of go after somebody to share the word with them. I think it's a lot more attraction than promotion Mm -hmm. Um, and and try to do it that way. But when somebody comes to you, it ties in with the question before for me, you know, I work with a lot of recovering addicts Mm -hmm. and and I tell people that want me to work with them that I'm not going to work with them unless they're interested in looking at Christianity because, uh, and then they'll go, well, why is that? I want to quit drinking. I go, well, that's harm reduction. Mm -hmm. Because it's appointed once to man the die and then the judgment. And great if you want to quit drinking. But I have an ethical problem of not sharing the gospel with you about what the truth really is about what's coming. And that's different. But to just go out and target people, man, that's not my gift at all.
0: Well, yeah, I get that. I mean, but I'm not saying you're looking at them as a target, but you're trying to develop a relationship with a neighbor or somebody that is in your circle of influence. And you that's go, a small circle. Oh, it's a very small. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, but if you if you think of sure. wanting to have an awareness and then I'm just wondering, are there times when you think, ah, I need to go just make contact with them, maybe start a conversation, sure. see how's it going?
4: You know, I, th- I honestly think this is uh, where we're where we we become sensitive to what the spirit would have for us. Yeah. And I think one of the things is being open to the spirit. And sometimes you hear that that still small voice that we sometimes talk about. And sometimes that is the spirit prompting us to go, hey, you know, talk to this person. And, you know, if I don't listen to that voice, then then I I know that I've blown that opportunity. Because, you know, I think the spirit does speak if we're willing to listen to that. And it's not always, you know, set in stone or it's not real simple, but... You know, I feel like sometimes if God is 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 speaking to us in some way, we need to be open to whatever that is. Mm-hmm.
2: You, you know well, how I know it's God. It's at the worst possible time yeah. for me. <laughs>
4: yeah, it's true. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so often. It is. Yeah, so
3: often. Yeah, and Brad, just to follow up too on what you said, I, I appreciate that. I, I I don't think it's laziness as much as it is fear or feeling awkward that yes. would prevent me as much so. And and um, yeah. but what you just said about uh, hearing the Spirit's voice, and and I think. You know, what I'm concerned about is evangelism with some sense of discernment, not just going willy nilly and stuff. I remember a mentor in my life at one point said, you know, if you just try to force open that window all the time, you can actually create a a, sort of a spiritual abortion was the term that he used where somebody's coming to new life and a new birth. But if you take matters into your own hands and just feel, hey, it's my duty to, I think, as you said, George, share willy nilly everywhere. You might be missing out that the timing isn't necessarily right at that point. But but I would hope, Brad, as you said, that if there is that still small voice prompting, that I would be willing to push through the fear and the awkwardness and participate in what God is up to. And and I would say I don't know that I always do that uh, with certainty because sometimes that, that sense of awkwardness, or you can kind of justify it and say, well, maybe I'm just hearing something different or I don't want to offend him and all those sorts of things. So I, I think that discernment's a really key piece. I like. Let me take a little
0: break. When we come back, lots more with Guide Talk. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, George Fraser, myself... Let us know what your questions are or a concern or an issue you'd like us to chew on. We'd love to do that. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll be back in 90. Dr. Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, George Fraser, myself, let us know what questions you might have for us to chew on 877 2484 The Bible says, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. Is it every bit as easy to rejoice with those who are doing something successful and, and they're really doing well? <laughs> or is it easier just to <laughs> mourn with someone who's in a tough place? Oh. Can you can you celebrate another person, another man's success? Why? <laughs> well, because the Bible says we should rejoice with those who, who rejoice. had not read that yet. All right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a,
2: <laughs> that's in Romans, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. a passage of scripture.
0: We're not, yes. we're not to that. We are
4: still in Matthew, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I think it's easy to rejoice when the, you know the Vikings make a great play um, at the uh, at the U.S. Bank Stadium and. And then everyone's rejoicing in that moment. Um, I think it varies for people. I, I noticed as I've gotten older, I am genuinely much more happy for people when they mm-hmm. do have some success. Yep. I think as a young man, I was much more jealous of people's success. And um, another advantage to being a little bit older is, is I think you can, you can view it in the perspective of, of your history.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Brad, I was just thinking of the same thing that, um, certainly as a younger person, I don't think that was part of the deal, pretty self-absorbed, you know? And, and I, it, and, oh, I, I will say this though. I think it's easier to celebrate another person's success if you feel like you're in a reasonably decent spot in life. But, um, but if things are, if you're down in the dumps a bit, um, I, you know, I will say this, I'm not entirely sure it comes still to this day really easily when I'm in a, in a tough season in life to just readily celebrate somebody else's success. And I, I think, that probably is the mark of something important to be able to do that, even if your life isn't going great and and not even in a in a false or patronizing way to actually celebrate somebody else. If your life's not great, boy, that that seems to be some sort of spiritual maturity that I think is maybe worth thinking about.
0: Yeah, you know, success is so weird. I mean, here's something yeah. that's even weirder that I'm talking about, Justin Bieber. Uh, <laughs> but he just shared uh, with his one hundred and eleven million fans um, <laughs> About his ongoing battle with anxiety and depression. And I don't. I don't know how old he is. He's in his what twenties, and yeah. you've got the world, you know, at your feet, and you're an international music star worth gazillions of dollars, <laughs> and you're you're anxious and depressed. I mean, that, that none of this brings you happiness.
4: It's true. Yeah, for it's sure. True.
0: You know. Yeah, I need to work on this
2: because I don't wish anybody ill will, but there's a little comfort in me when somebody is that successful and they still struggle with stuff like I do. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like uh, as I've gotten older, as you say, the competitiveness. And when my friends do well, now it's like I'm grateful they're my friends and I'm happy for them. But that took a long time because I think for guys – you know, life's a hockey game for me. <laughs> and it's every shift's competition and if you yeah. if you can run somebody on the boards, man, you do. Yeah. And
1: it's kind of true.
2: And so it kinda of, it it's it engages you, but then when you become a Christian, you start looking at that and you realize how self absorbed I truly am. Yeah. And when somebody does well, like people we work with get sober and get safe, that's as good as it gets. But still, to work on it and other things in the world is tough for me. Yeah, I got to be yeah. honest about that. Yeah,
3: yeah. Because I, I guess
2: I wanted to be about me. Is that fair?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. No, I, I, I can totally get that.
2: What for me, Peter? Was that a shot where we needed
3: feedback? Peter, George. I, I mean, I share that experience. Okay. <laughs> and just, just roughing
2: yeah. you. Just roughing
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, of course, I love my listeners. Uh, by the way. Break the potato chip in half first before dipping it, then dip both halves at the same time. Oh, smart. Okay. Oh, See what wow. I mean? See what I mean? These, Does that work yeah. with Doritos? Oh, probably would. Okay. Yeah. yeah this, totally. is how smart, this is how smart S- the listeners are. S- yeah, smart listeners. No, yeah, yeah, Scott. For sure. Thank you, Scott. S- for that little piece of wisdom. <laughs> All right. Uh, as we were talking about, um, as you get a little bit older, you look at things slightly differently. So let's talk about uh, how over time we're starting to f- be more interested in, in how people are doing personally than what they're doing or how successful they are or not. You talk about like a reunion, a 30-, 40-year-old high school reunion. Instead of talking about what you're doing, you ask about how you are doing. It's kind of a nice shift, isn't it?
4: It is. It is. I I really,
0: really enjoyed that.
4: Although the last last, uh, class reunion that I think my wife and I went to, uh, we're walking up the stairs and my wife looks around and she said, well, this can't be the right reunion. And I said, why not? She says, everybody here looks really old. (laughs) 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 So, um, but, (laughs) and there was a piece of truth to it, you know. Yep. But we don't think of ourselves as that old, right? No. No, that's for sure. Yeah, I think that that whole level of of being, you know, and part of it is just kind of getting comfortable in your skin. And part of it is, you know, for me, a, a real, personally, for a really big thing is this, this idea of kind of praying without ceasing, this idea of of an attitude of prayer that I bring to my to my daily life, you know, even starting in the morning and trying to continue this kind of ongoing, kind of interface with with God throughout my day and talking to Him and 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 doing that, and it puts me in a better place. And I think then all a lot of that stuff that's really external just kind of uh, goes to the wayside and. And then I can work on what's really important, uh, including relationships. I
0: like. All right, Peter, I'm looking in your direction right now. Let's talk about right. the difference between believing the gospels and trusting the gospel.
3: Yeah, boy, that's a good question, isn't it? And and I think it, what's interesting is that that's a fairly recent split. I mean, we're not going to get like deeply into history stuff, but. Um, our our faith became much more theologically focused, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, certainly in the time of the Protestant Reformation, it it shifted from a trust place to more of a who's right theologically place, and and we do need to have those conversations. But I find what's interesting is even in that passage, like in John 3.16, where it says, whoever believes in him, we might read that through our 21st century Protestant lens as, whoever thinks that the story is true will be saved but actually read in the original language of the text, it's whoever has surrendered and yielded and bent their knee in a continuous way begins to experience the salvation that Jesus offers both now and forever. And so there's not supposed to be this disconnect between belief and trust. In fact, the only entryway into the kingdom is surrender, trust, and bending one's knee. It isn't being able to assent that all of the stories are true. And and I think that helps us understand even that idea when Paul writes that even the demons believe and they shudder, because that kind of belief is sort of, yeah, the story might be true, and they shudder, but that's not the belief of surrender um, that the text is actually calling us to in so many of those other passages. So that that 18-inch thing they talk about, the split between the head and the heart, right, that, that's a pretty recent development in terms of what would be true, I think, among many of us and why we struggle sometimes. Well, I think it's true, but the actual invitation is is to trust and surrender and yield. I like George?
2: Yeah, I like it intellectually, but it convicted me. Uh, um, me and, and, and I think for me, that's the deal, guys, is that I believe it, but do I trust it enough to do it? And that's, that's the breakdown. You know, it's like you always say you vote for Jesus. Everybody does.
0: Everybody seems like a lot of people do. I mean, I
2: want the get out of hell card. I want you to be my savior, but I don't want right. you to be my Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's, right. the, that's the thing. And Peter, you're kind of like having your dad show up at your party. You know, you just killed it for me. It's good to see it. No, I think you're totally right. And, and uh, I find what, the more I get into the theology, the more my heart gets cold. And for yep. me, it's easier to go into my head than to bleed out of my heart. You know, Uh there's like a protection there that I know this, so I'm good. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Faith without works is dead. That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I had Jim Wallace on the show. He's a detective, a uh, retired detective from Los Angeles. And he was talking about police training where they take you out into a range and they put a, um, a bulletproof vest on a dummy. And then they pump some iron into the vest to show you that the vest will stop the bullets. Uh, so they uh, believe the vest will stop the bullets. Uh, but then you have to put the vest on and be in uh, in a work environment where you might get shot at. Then you have to put your trust that it will stop. And you're the mm-hmm. dummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I wasn't going to go there, no. George. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's, that's a great, great analogy. analogy. Yeah, it is. For sure. for
4: sure. Well, you know, for me, <clears throat> part of my. Um, I, I went through this on a personal level uh, several years ago where, you know, you were talking about theology being cold, and I, I, I had my theology spot on, right, right? And I'd I, I record my work and get it get it done in such a way that, you know, my theology, I, I've got it right, I've got it right. And God really started convicting me that I had to start living out of the heart. And there's a whole ton of Scripture in Old Testament and New that, you know, the the heart is the wellspring and we have to live out of that heart. That's how we live our day. You know, I can, I can actually, and for much of my life, I was living out of my head. So I'm, I'm trying to use my intelligence to be able to get me to the next level. But that's, that's not really the way to live. You got to live out of your heart. It's a lot
2: safer though. (laughs)
4: it is it is (laughs) is. Yeah, and in some ways easier
2: hey peter guys as long as we're on this the question i would have as a believer who struggles maybe when we come back go ahead ask the question if i find myself being convicted by what we just talked about which i did how can i change that what can i do to work on that
0: peter you got 40 seconds
3: (laughs) yeah i enjoy i wish i had a resolution i mean I, i you know i don't know i guess the first thing that comes into mind um is I know for me sometimes it's that prayer of the centurion that I believe but help me with my unbelief. It's that sense of, you know, ha, enter into those places, God, where there and reveal the lack of trust and invite me in those places to trust. And even sometimes physically opening my hands as representative of just opening my spiritual hands in all of this. I think can be sort of a helpful daily practice uh, the trust. And it's and it's funny, um, we sometimes think all right, that Peter, if we Peter, you know the, we got a
0: hard break. You know the biz. I'm going oh, yeah. right, to have to jump. Yep. Cool. Guy Talk will be back in 90 seconds. Thanks for being with me today. I really enjoyed this time together. Guy Talk is underway. Dr. Peter Capster, Brad Johnson, George Fraser, co-host of Real Recovery, and moi. And right before we went to break, uh, we were talking about oh, it's in the head, we got to get it to the heart. Peter, you had a couple of uh, very nice thoughts that I didn't let you complete.
3: Well, that's, my, that's my bad. Thanks for not putting me in Guy Talk Purgatory for going against the hard break there. But yeah. um, the, it was just—it was something that really struck me in terms of helping my faith and all this crazy theological pursuit that I so enjoy, was that so much of my theological pursuit was try to alleviate the doubts that I had. And, uh, and I've said this before, but it really, I know it ministered to me, is that in the scriptures, we're not called to understand everything. I mean, never once does it say you should theologically understand all there is to understand about God. And in and, and fact, the invitation is always to trust. And what's weird about that whole thing, and, and George just gets to what you and I were chatting about before the break, that when we decide to trust and surrender, when we do open our hands like that, God sort of greets us with this interesting gift of faith that resides in the heart where brad was talking about that sort of the wellspring place and that faith grows and grows and grows for a lifetime and that is what alleviates our doubt it doesn't mean we get to get all the answers to the questions but i think once we stop pursuing answers to alleviate doubt and instead surrender then somehow the faith supersedes the doubt it doesn't do away with it but it's stronger than the doubt so i I still have doubts in my life, but there's an anchor in the midst of those doubts. And and then the last piece of that is I think then theology can become an act of worship where you get to pursue God each day, as opposed to an act of trying to prove something right or making sure you're in and other people are out and all the other ways we use it. Um, to, to rightly order it as an act of worship from a place of faith, I think, can be really intriguing.
0: That was good. That, that was, was really, really good. good. Yeah. <laughs> I might that was awesome. I might excuse you from the group, Peter, till next week.
3: Yeah. You know, I appreciate that, Bill. I think I said more than enough. So No, I, I,
0: I know you've uh, got to run. So thank you so I much do. for joining the group. Um Thank you and, and have a great day.
3: Yeah, thanks, Bill. I love being with you guys. See you guys soon. <laughs> yep, Doctor yeah, Peter. Right.
0: Yep. Peter Kapsner has left the room. <laughs> this could get tough. Oh that that was awesome. That
3: you know That was.
4: He was re- he really encapsulated everything we were talking about in just a nice little succinct little capstone, you know. He should be a teacher or something.
0: He should. He's got that ability. I guess he is. To talk and use words.
2: He's got the gift. It seems to me people are either real personable or real intellectual, and very rarely... Looking at you now.
1: <laughs> you gonna hit me?
0: No, I'm not. I know gonna what you're that. thinking. You're neither, Fraser. Right. No, and
2: Peter's both.
0: I yeah, mean, he's yeah, a he's loving,
2: great. kind guy who knows a lot.
0: Yeah. He'll
2: yeah. never hear that,
0: so I can yeah. say it.
4: Yeah. Hopefully, he's hanging up.
0: All right. So here's a story that came up. Um, it's now a, a national story, and it was st- all started in Des Moines, Iowa, where this kid, I think, as a joke and kind of a a fun as a fun little gag, created a sign that said his little. Bush Light beer supply was low, and I needed some money sent to his Venmo account, and all of a sudden, he got $600 sent to him, and he said, well, I'm not keeping this. This was kind of a joke, so he donated it to the Children's Hospital, and then when they got word of that, donations came in totaling roughly $900,000. Wow. Amazing. And Anheuser-Busch jumped in with tremendous match sponsorship, and so they raised a lot of money for cancer kids. And then he... um, somebody dug into his, his Twitter account and found a you know a tweet he did from when he was sixteen years old. He's twenty-three right now. And now all of a sudden like twenty thousand people have unfriended him and and Azure Bush has pulled their sponsorship money and I I guess it's kinda dried up. So what do you think about this cancel culture where all of a sudden, you know, one day you're doing something good on behalf of helping kids with cancer and the next minute you're just you are trying to crush your whole career or life. Oh, that- <laughs> Wouldn't be too hard for my
2: career. Uh, You know, okay, it's a joke to start with. Right. Uh, It comes in and there's a lot of getcha gotcha Mm -hmm. going on in our country. There is. And, you know, about the political correctness. I'm old enough now where I can be politically incorrect without trying to be politically incorrect. (laughs) And it's one-upmanship. It yeah. really is, and I think we do that to reinforce our own importance and identity, uh, you know, about we're right, and you're wrong, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know, it's just way out of hand, but the media culture, I'm not on Facebook, and I don't tweet, I don't have time for that, but that's the new
0: you way have, of communicating. You don't have time for
2: that? Okay, I lied. That's <laughs> kind <laughs> of yeah.
0: to me. Yeah.
2: I'm yeah. resting a lot.
0: Yeah, so Brad, you spend a lot of time with students, so they're very socially media savvy. They are. Uh, what counsel do you give them? You know, uh, so I
4: look at it kind of from a, uh, a career counselor point of view where I say, hey, you know, be careful the kinds of things that you post because employers are looking and they're watching. So I think, and in general, I would say that probably most of our students here are, are really great about doing things that are appropriate and not inappropriate. Um, but, you know... This kind of cancel culture really does concern me in the sense that uh I, I don't know how many of our sixteen year old selves could stand this kind of scrutiny. And uh I know I certainly couldn't and I don't a lot of people I know couldn't withstand this scrutiny and, and um and just because this guy uh was doing a good thing and just because he said the wrong thing, you know, at the, at a certain point in his life. I don't. I think they're. I see them as mutually exclusive concepts for for myself. But somehow, uh, it gets tied together. And a lot of it is about, you know, whatever people are talking about. And and uh, and you know, uh, I'm thinking that you know, uh, you know, when Jesus, I don't know if you remember that time in 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 the New Testament when when the prostitute came and everyone was getting ready to stone her. And which was the custom of the time, and Jesus says, "He who is without sin, cast the first stone." And my thought is, "Wow, you know." And and what happened? And he said, "Be on your way and go and sin no more." And you know, how many of us are willing to throw stones? You know, uh, and you know, we have the plank in our own eye. Mm
0: -hmm. What do you think about some of the? the expressions like the bracelets and things that what would WWJD, what would Jesus do? Do you, do you feel that you can stand up and accurately say what Jesus would do? I mean, he has the power alone to forgive sin, to tell people to stop sinning. We can do that, you know, because that's what Jesus would do. Um, How do you deal with that? It's a
4: big, it's a, it's certainly a big question. I think it's pretty arrogant for us to think that we know exactly what Jesus would do. What we do have is the the scripture that tells us the things that Jesus did. Mm -hmm. So we can measure that uh, against what he's done in, in his time. Right. And, and I think, you know, for the most part, I think you can get a real good sense of who Jesus is by the new Testament and by his words in the new Testament. And I guess I would argue that, that, you know, we can extract, we can extrapolate in our modern time what that might look like f- for us. Does that make me right? And eh, Maybe not. I mean, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, I've, I've made mistakes in that process. But I would say that I think we can kind of get a sense of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Georgie, any thoughts?
2: Well, yeah, I, I think it's really hard because the we label things like we're, you're on the right or you're on the left. And, and my guess is culturally at the time— Jesus would have been on the left compared to the old Pharisees and the conservative people. I don't know how that translates in our time, but I think the easy thing is to objectify people by a label. Left, right, conservative, liberal. Uh, They're on our side. They're against us. And I think when you look at it as we're all God's kids and we're trying to get people to know Jesus— we need to have it more inclusive from the Christian standpoint rather than exclusive.
0: Well, we're we're all created in God's image, but we're not all His kids. Well, not I, until you I know get that's saved.
2: Right. That's okay, but it's yeah. But He He wants everybody saved, right? So we are. I think technically, you know, you're right. But I think to go that a guy's not God's kids because he's not saved. My job is to help him get saved. Is the way I see
0: it. Yeah, because God's still pursuing him. I them. think so. Yeah. Um, God's always pursuing. Do you know what I mean, Billy? Yeah. Yeah. He's on a search and rescue mission. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and never gives up. That's we right. We sometimes go, well, I'm still praying for him, but you know, we're not pursuing the way, the way God is. You
2: so. know, I, and I'm working on not saying that if I'm not going to do it, then I don't, don't. do it. But well, I'll pray I'll for you. Pray get for get you. out of here. I'm done talking <laughs> to you. you know? And uh, yeah, I, I, I like that is that if I look for differences, then I can exclude myself from being involved with these people. Yeah. And I can also take it that I'm superior to them. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, I'm still a sinner, even though people are out there sinning. And I classify different sins as worse than others. And yeah. I got a lot of work to do. And I think when we remember that, that our redemption not doesn't come from us, it's from Christ. we c- I can look on that with a lot softer thing than I do. Mm-hmm. Fair?
0: Yeah, very fair.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree with that.
2: It's hard Continue. to do though. Oh, it is. I talk a lot better game,
0: but well, yeah, it's hard to live in that moment. Uh, how to, how to yeah. do so how do you uh, respond to people's doubts? Are you able to be gentle with them? Are you, are you, do you feel like you get a little bit, well, I got the answer. Doubts or, regarding, doubts regarding God, regarding faith, regarding uh, their little journey that they, they're on and and you go, oh boy, you got this all wrong. Um, how gentle can you be? I, I think of how Jesus responded to doubt. Um, he was firm. Yeah. You know, I, I
4: think for, for me, I, I, you know, my personality is such that uh, I really love to be right, which is one of the reasons why I think <laughs> I'm a good teacher because I am right most of the time. Um, and I say it kind of sarcastically, but there's a part of me that really does like to be right. And I think that's, there's a little part of all of us that's like that in varying degrees. And so, um, at some point, and one of the things, again, I like about keep getting back to to the age and I didn't mean for this to become the ageism show, but, uh, about being older is that, um, I, I don't have to, uh, constantly be right and I can be okay with, you know, being wrong and making mistakes and being vulnerable in that, in that moment and, I'm old enough now, I'm, I've made enough, uh, as many mistakes in my life that I've made, and I, I understand the consequence of those mistakes, and uh, I also understand how I could have changed them, and so I have regrets. I, I wished I would have said that differently. I wish I would have acted differently in that circumstance. And I'm smart enough to know now that I, I, you know, I bring that to the table, and we all have that, and at some point, the arrogance of my youth was unable to really take that in. And so, you know, I wanted to be right and I wanted to prove you that to you that I was right. And so then I'm jamming my theology down your throat and you're going, I don't like, I don't like that because it doesn't feel good. My wife helped me learn about how to, how to temper that, you know, and I can still even be right and I can still be loving and kind. And, um, uh, you know, Paul talks about that, preach the truth and love and, and w- w- what does love look like is, is you know, uh, and we kind of have a sense, you know, uh, and kindness is part of that.
0: Yeah, the truth and love sh- are, are the guardrails on the highway, <laughs> and they keep you on the road. Yeah, They're supposed to. They're supposed to, yeah. Let me take a little break. Guide Talk's underway. If you have a question or an issue, 877-933-2484. Be back in a minute. Welcome back to the show. Guy Talks Underway. Dr. Peter Kapchner has dropped out for the rest of the day. Oh, I think we sure. need to talk about it. I think then. we should talk about him. He said something pretty wise. The last thing he said, I can't remember already what it was, but it was wise.
2: Yeah, it was wise. Yeah. I don't remember what it was either, Yeah, Something <laughs> about being nicer to people and not, you know, living in your head, not doubting, but living it out. So yes. it sounds like a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I agree. And he's driving in his car right now. So, keep I mean, your hands not here the working. Work. No, yeah. no. So if you go to a funeral of, or, you know, so many funerals are secular nowadays where they're just come to the funeral home and we're going to have a little service. And what you hear is a complete ball of nonsense. What is your instinct? What? God needed a third (laughs) baseman? When you uh, hear complete and utter nonsense. Because, you know, there's nothing more more creative than when people have to cobble together. Their view of eternity and God, at an event where you, you your heart's a little broken and the person is no doubt lost, and do you ever have a do you ever want to say anything or do you just kind of hug and love? Mm-hmm. Well, what can you say? Well, I I know that's always hard. I, you know, those are
4: awkward positions to be in 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 any way, but then to to hear that kind of stuff always kind of breaks your heart a little bit because there's you know for for me one of the things that really helps sustain me is this idea that I know that there's something bigger than me there's something larger than me there's something more than this life and uh you know that's a that that's something I always keep holding on to you know and it, for me that helps my, with my faith
0: that helps me to to get to the next level whatever that is but when people are saying quite ridiculous things about heaven because he's up in heaven right now, you know, mm, doing whatever he's doing that he did on earth. You know, he's, he's got the jazz records on and, and, uh, the grill mm-hmm. is open with, you know, the burgers are on and you go, that's just so ridiculous. I don't even know how to respond to that.
2: Yeah. We know that's not true because they're playing golf, but, uh, yes. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think for me, when that happens, and I I agree with you, every time I go to a funeral, I think about what's going to happen when I die. And you fast forward through all this stuff, and then you go, I, I got eternal life. And then when I hear that the person didn't, I, I, I guess it's gotten as I've got older, Billy, that when I hear somebody died, I go, oh, okay, that's sad. But it's great for them if you know they're a believer. I mean, right. Um, but, you know, and I almost died a couple of years ago, and I disappointed a lot of people by still being here. But I got <laughs> to the point where I realized I didn't think enough about what's coming. And when I get stuck on something, you know, you you fast forward everything, and you get to that, and you go, thanks be to God, it is true. Mm-hmm. And and we look at it eternally. So I guess I'm sad, and then you think there's people living. Am I doing everything I could uh get it out there? And I'm not. Mm-hmm. But funerals for me really
0: reinforce my faith, you know? They do me as well. I mean, they're very pivotal. They punctuate. um, Obviously, it's a moment of, of pause where you hear what's being said about the lost, the loved one who's just gone on. And then when they don't have a relationship with Christ and they generate a pile of nonsense about what they want to believe that has no basis in any kind of biblical truth, I always think, I, pr- I pray I'll have an opportunity down the road to talk about who constructed those thoughts about the message, yeah. the whole idea that they're water skiing in heaven tonight. Well, I don't think so. You know, I had
2: a boss at the Salvation Army who told me one time that, George, you realize at your funeral <clears throat> that... Ten minutes afterwards, your best friend is going to be thinking, I wonder if they have potato salad downstairs with the lunch. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you think about, you're going to die. You're not that important. That's how I took it. But God is. Yeah. And I went to a funeral a while ago, and I got to admit, it was long, and I was hungry. <laughs> and I was <laughs> kind of thinking, I wonder if they got those big cookies down there, you know?
4: <laughs> Did uh, they? Yeah, they did. A a big, nice. oh, I gotta yeah. love the big cookies. Yeah. Yeah. But but
2: I think there's a lot of truth to that.
4: And what I, you know, to kind of I answer a little bit what you said, I try to look, step back and look at it in a bigger way. You know, I you joked around about playing golf in heaven. I joke around about playing football in heaven because we're going to have a new body, right? And my new body will, will have really great knees and I'll be able to really really run the ball and be a great running back, which I never was in my real life. Uh, so the point I'm getting to is that I think what people are trying to do is that, you know, that person is trying to, you know, he's in his happy place, whatever, his or her happy place, whatever that is. And so as I'm, so I try to understand it in a bigger context that I think the, the feelings that you get when you're golf or when you play football or when whatever, whatever happens to be the story for this fella or a gal, then, uh, you know, I think in the big picture, I think maybe God can do that for us in, in heaven. So, you know, I, I joke about playing football in heaven, but I th- I really think that whatever football brings me, that joy, that happiness, whatever that is here on earth, my thought is in heaven, we're going to have a piece of that. So in a small way, maybe they're, they're trying to, you know, trying to do that, even though theologically they're,
0: you know, not right. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about... <laughs> Rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn. As three guys who are, you know, we're not in our 20s or 30s anymore, but when you watch sports, and I know we all enjoy watching sports. Occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. And you see uh, a great, you know, run scored or a or a, a shot that goes in the upper right-hand corner um, of the net, uh, you know, and there's that primal scream by the person that just did it. It's that... You know, that that, that, that sheer enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah. And don't you miss that? Oh, totally. When do you get to do that in life? Totally, you know.
4: At, <laughs> uh, but I think we're going to do that in heaven. Oh, I know we are.
0: We're totally going to do that. Yeah. And whatever that is. Extreme joy. Extreme joy. Extreme, overwhelming joy. And there's something about watching sports, which I love. And I when I see that a guy do that, it's cool. But I go, huh, I'm not doing that in my life and the (laughs) coolest thing i can see happen and experience is seeing a dead person come to faith in christ and become alive and they go from dead in their sins to alive in christ and i don't do the primal scream i do it i do it on the inside but i think that's something that guys miss as they get older
2: Miss totally. a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that's right. We were talking earlier about like going to the reunions and things like that, and, and I think after you do it enough, you know, you do miss that. But what I really miss is the snappy patter of the guys on your team and you know, that kind of the camaraderie stuff. Oh Yeah. And, and, yeah. you know, the intimacy by insult, you know how right. guys do <laughs>
0: That's uh, how we tell each other, we love each other. Uh, yeah. Totally.
2: Yep. Yeah. Nice shirt.
0: Yeah. yeah thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, I think
2: as you get older, there, there are other ways to do it. And I know I have gotten most sports to where I can really celebrate what somebody else does. i watched this, uh, Simone Bowles. Is that her name? The gymnast? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm a hockey guy. She's probably the best athlete in the world. I've never seen anybody do anything like that and way better than the competition. And it's like, that is cool. Yeah. So it's not as competitive for me as it used to be because you want to win. And now I can see other people. And it's a lot easier to turn it off, go upstairs, (laughs) go to bed, you
0: know. (laughs)
2: Hockey starts in a week, Billy.
0: Yeah. Another listener said, um, Bill, I miss having the energy I had when I was younger. And, of course, that applies to, you know, life. We all do.
2: Yeah. Go yeah. lie down, you'll get over it.
0: <laughs> really? Just yeah. go take a little nap. Huh?
2: Naps are great. <laughs> are you a napper, George? No, I pray about 20 minutes at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. i lay down on the couch and wake up. And... You just
0: call it prayer? Yeah, it yeah. starts that way. Okay.
2: If I can get it. Yeah, it helps a lot.
0: Yeah. So what is God, uh, anything God is telling you, working on you right now that you can share? Kind of a broad question, but... You know, for me...
4: Uh, I have been working on discipline. I, I come from, you know, the studio business, which probably has a certain amount of creativity in it. And, um, this, this past year I've really been working on, you know, disciplining myself in, you know, sleep patterns, dif- disciplining myself in, in, uh, what I eat and how I eat and when I eat, um, and making those positive changes in my life, Uh, you know, uh, not only because I'm getting older, but I also kind of wanted to get to a point where I wanted to be able to show my kids, you know, hey, you know, dad doesn't have to be a fat guy or dad doesn't have to be uh, a a disengaged father. You know, I I can be in, uh, so I've been changing a lot of those things. So for me, it's about, it's been about discipline. And it's something that I think I started in my life as a young person because my, my uh, my parents were fairly disciplined in many ways, and so that was lived by example. But then I think in the middle part of my life, I kind of lost some of that. And it's really kind of um, kind of fun to re-engage that disciplined part of myself. So that's what I've been going through. Yeah.
2: Nice. Georgie, anything? Well, I think, Bill, I've kind of achieved a level I never thought possible. Yeah, and I'm just I figured trying to be the maintain answer. that. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> uh, I was just talking to my mentor today, Danny.
0: Yeah.
2: About. Well, sorry um, for him. Yeah, he's done. If I had a better mentor, I'd be farther along. But about a book project that I said I was going to write three years ago.
0: Mm-hmm. How's that going?
2: And uh, I've really gotten convicted of it. Nice. So nice. see what I do with it. Yeah. That.
0: Well, that wraps up another. Uh, uh, Roundtable of Guy Talk, thank you so much to Dr. Peter Kapsner, Brad Johnson, and George P. Fraser, co-host of Real Recovery, which you can hear Sundays at 5 and Saturdays at 3. A little plug for the show, George. Good, Billy. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to have uh, the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Roundtable next. That's all ahead an Hour 2. Afternoons with me. Thanks for uh, for the show. And if you missed any of it and you want to hear it, go to MyFaithRadio.com. Afternoons with Bill's show page. So, I'm looking forward to it. If you have any questions for the ladies, uh, we're going to take those questions as well at the same number, 877 933 2484. I think I'm going to ask the ladies what God's been teaching them lately. So, you're going to not want to miss any of this. We'll be back in a couple minutes.